It's been five long years since I met you here Another record and gallons of beer I've grown a bit and a bit so bit And I hope that it's enough So the times got hard and the times got rough But getting there is half the fun So let's all gather around Let's hate on this polished sound Three years later we don't even have a proper intro But that's I know, okay, I didn't think about we're that. back, baby That's right Hello and welcome to Boxcar Episode 26. Uh, I'm, I'm Steve. I'm Kelly. We're still Steve and Kelly. <laughs> I feel like you can hear the rust on the gears as we just like stumble <laughs> our way back into this. It's not like we were ever a well-oiled machine before when we did this, but we just, we're going to hit our stride. It's going to happen, but like you're going to just need to bear with us. Nah, Luckily, you know I don't think it's anyone's good. listening. <laughs> well, I want to make sure they listen. I'm be like, hey, yeah. there's three people. Yeah, three I mean, volunteers. <laughs> right. You've got like promoter experience, so I'm, oh, thank uh, you. we're thank counting you. on you to, you know, to hype this. I mean, I lost a lot of money on shows, so that's really nice of you to say. <laughs> well, that's the quintessential promoter experience, isn't it? Uh, yes, you have to lose money. Lose money right. to make money, as right. they say. I just never got to that other part. <laughs> but man, huh? Welcome, listeners. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> it's been five years. Not a lot has changed in the world in those intervening years. So we can kind of just pick up where we left off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're both in Chicago still. Um, completely different lives, I would say, though. Like, different, definitely different circumstances, different lives. Yep. Um, and it's quarantine. It's, uh, we're, yeah, we're recording in the middle of this pandemic or at the end of it or at the beginning of it. It's only the beginning. I don't <laughs> My think money's on beginning. We're, yeah, we're on beginning. Uh, and Steve and I got back in touch this year. And um, I think as very bored music fans, I think we were adoring music more than ever and needed it more than ever these last few months. So um, super happy to come back together and geek out with you guys and talk about music and uh, make the most of this. Hell yeah. And we, we needed that money. We need that sponsorship money. So, Oh, if you guys could just hit subscribe right in the corner yeah, there. Just smash that subscribe button. Just smash that subscribe button. You can find us on Patreon. Uh, <laughs> we don't have a Patreon, so I don't even know where to direct you to. So you just Venmo us five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, Steve, how have you been? How, how have the last few years, last few weeks treated you? What kind of place are you in emotionally as a person right now? I'm going to go week by week since our last episode in April of 2016. So okay. <laughs> May of 2016, pretty good. Turns 26. Nice. Um, yeah, I've been good. Life, life has been good. Uh, there's just so much that's happened in between now and then that it feels pointless to even try and and provide any kind of updates. So I'll just say that I'm still alive, still got all my limbs, uh, nice. and now I'm 30, so I'm jaded. Ah, oh, dude, also 30. Hell yeah. Also, everything, and every, everything is new and nothing has changed at the same time, exactly. so I'm right there with you. Yeah, how have um, you been? Great. Uh, you know, ups and downs, but I feel, I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel like, you know, everything is, everything's lined up where it needs to be. Feels like a very philosophical, not philosophical, it just feels like an emotional intro so far. Right. Yeah, we need to like get to some dumb shit pretty quick because I, I yeah. listeners are dropping like flies right now. Oh, exactly. They're like, we, didn't, we didn't come to hear you old people talk about <laughs> how your poignant lives. What it was like. Yeah. What it was like when we could still go to shows. Right. Back in my day. What's a show? You know what? That kind of takes me into um 
one of the questions off my off my little list, if I if you don't mind me reading one. Hit me. At the age of thirty, and you know, just everything that you've reflected on, or, or whatever life's thrown at you, um, you know, this podcast has always been called a show about punk rock, but I feel like we really touch on like a wide range of music. And whenever people ask me about it, I always say, well, it's not necessarily about punk rock, but it's about like aggressive music. Like it's it's something that fits into this umbrella. So I must ask, what does punk rock now mean to you? Well, that's a question that I, I don't know, it doesn't like occur to me often, but it's, I feel like never, even when I was like a 16 year old, did punk rock mean to me what I felt that it should have. Like I remember being, you know, a 16 or 17 year old and like going to house shows where there were like real punks and real punk bands and like, you know, kids that were runaways and lived in this punk house and like people that like legit road box cars, like actual train box cars. <laughs> And just feeling like I am such a fucking poser. And if people ever found out the like cushy suburban life I live, I would just be like it. It, it felt a little bit like there's not a place for me, like Aww. kind of Island of Misfit Toys scenario. So I guess like, <laughs> right. like so I, I think as I've gotten older, I've come to realize like I'm never going to be the kind of person that um you know, feels like fits in the punk rock niche. And mm. I've, and what I've also come to realize is like, I think most people in the punk scene are kind of like that. At least now, like as I've, I've come to realize more that like, oh, it's just, you know, we're all kind of different misfit people. And this is kind of something that we all have in common. It's not about having a mohawk or, you know, how many safety pins yeah. you have on your pants. Although those were always the people that I wanted to think I was cool when I went to house shows. <laughs> nice. Look but, at safety pins. I forgot about safety pins. I know, right? Like, they, one, they never worked. They right. stabbed my legs constantly. Like, I don't know oh, why. Yeah. I should have learned to sew a lot earlier, I think is what <laughs> I'm saying. It's interesting you bring up the, um, like, the suburban cushy thing, because, like, I... I was going down like a binge of like YouTube videos like early on um where I like I feel like I really peaked and like my actually no peaking I'm not even gonna say I peaked I feel like the more I get older the more I love music more and the more I just want to know more and more and more about it like totally so like during this time like I started going down like this binge of like interviews with like just people I liked and Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die was one of them and so he writes about these like serious things like all the time and like his music is very like angry and so um I think he was getting interviewed by I want to say the vocalist Jesse. I don't really listen to them. Kill Switch Engage. I think his name is Jesse Leach. So mm-hmm. he's interviewed by him and he's like, dude, nothing ever went wrong in my life, actually. Like, I grew up in the suburbs of, like, I think they're from Buffalo. He's like, I grew up in the suburbs there. My parents never divorced. Like, nothing bad happened. But he's like, there was a certain time in high school where I just felt like this dreadful sense or like I felt very emotionally aware. And that, like, brought me to my music and made me listen to certain bands and stuff. And I think. To, to what you're saying is you still were able to put yourself in a place of being very aware, I think, of, like, what you're, what the music you were listening to maybe was trying to, like, get at. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that's kind of, like, what matters a little bit more than anything else. I mean, yeah, I mean, the places that you come from, like, obviously those kids that you're referring to, <laughs> they went through some shit, and that's why they're there. But everyone's seeking a solace, I think, at that time, like, whether or not it came from, like, a mental place that you found yourself in or whatever, you know. Can't really can't really judge the background when we're all capable of feeling those emotions and being in that state of mind, I think, so to speak. So kind of interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that is uh, something that you only come to understand 
as you get older. Yeah, and you, I think, stop kind of worrying about do I fit in here? Oh, Am yeah. I as cool as the other people at this show? Are people gonna, I don't know, look at me and think I'm a poser? Because <laughs> I am a poser and I don't care. Man, you're just yourself. That's all that matters. You just gotta be yourself. And Amen, be, dude. Nice to, be nice to others. That's all yeah. that matters, really. Totally. Yeah. Um, I wrote that question down actually a while ago, like just, or I've been thinking about it for a while, and I wrote it down immediately when we started talking about recording. When uh, Riot Fest announced their lineup last year for 2019, they like dropped Blink 2 dropped off, and so then like Run the Jewels took their set. Mm-hmm. And this fucking kid on like Facebook, I remember, said like, "Man, why is Run the Jewels headlining a, a punk rock festival?" Then again, like they're not the only ones. Ha ha ha! And like I remember just being like, "I think Run the Jewels is actually one of the most punk rock acts I could think of to be on that festival at that right. time." And that's when I really started thinking, like, what really defines punk rock now? And I, I think that it's, when we're talking about music, it's really music that, like, just sticks to its guns and, like, gets in your face about things. And Run the Jewels is, like, one of the most politically aggressive groups I've probably listened to recently. I mean, it, I feel like modern-day punk now is, is really more singing about, like, emotional and, like, right. emotional turmoil, whereas, like, Run the Jewels is, like, look at all this shit that's happening, like, right. or whatever. And they're just this epic hip-hop duo. They're, like, crushing it. And I'm like, no, they belong at Riot Fest and like as does many other hip hop acts and everything else because it just like like our podcast defines like I think punk rock just falls under this this umbrella this like multi-genre sort of statement that uh that I think a lot of us have grown to understand and absorb and appreciate yeah I think that's right because I you I mean you can say that's so punk rock about so many things that are not punk rock music and I think that covers lots of other genres of music it covers musicians that existed before punk rock was a genre. I want it like to Riot Fest's credit. I think they're really good at choosing a really diverse slate of bands and headliners that that fit that attitude, but aren't necessarily in the, you know, the punk rock as it is defined musically. Like I, I think every band that they choose has that same kind of attitude, and that's why that's such a great festival. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they just stand for something. I think that's, you know, to stand for anything nowadays is great. Right. Especially when you don't, you don't want to talk, you know, no one wants to talk about stuff. And it's like, ah, no, put it out there. Yeah, I mean, Public Enemy is like a, a band that I always think of as like a, you know, a punk rock band. Totally, totally. And like, um, is it Chuck D? Is that who's the mm-hmm. singer? I feel like his uh, rapping was such like an early on like hardcore, like melody. Oh, like, totally. Like, that, like New York hardcore, whatever, East Coast hardcore. Um it all just blends in. I don't know. It all, like I said, it's just going to be that like in your face, aggressive, like that's punk rock. Like, yeah. So it's a, it's something that it makes yeah. you feel like if it makes yeah. you feel a certain way, like that's, that's punk rock, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm glad, you know, I like, I like that you said like it's a coming of age sort of feeling. Cause I think that's like more defining now than ever. Like, like you pointed out. Totally. Um, yeah. I guess we should talk about our main album. Too. We haven't guess, even announced people, what it is yet. People are waiting with bated breath. We haven't. I'm what sorry. What is it, everyone. Kelly? What are we talking about today? Oh, we are listening. We are, well, I, I can't even say review. I feel like we're really just having a discussion, which is usually what we do. We pick an album that we like already. Right. <laughs> we say, we're going to review it. But really, what we're probably more discussing, Child Soldier, Creator of God by Greg Pusciato. Exactly. It's a round table, I think. It's a round we're table. Having. <laughs> we're going to dissect the shit. That's right. I also don't, we're not qualified to review anything, I don't think. We're not. So Nobody review sends is a just shit. a right. It's a <laughs> review in quotes. But yeah, I think discussion is great. 
It is. It is. I, I, it makes it less less like, I don't know, what sort of looking for judgy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, who who are we? Who are we're we're sitting in this ivory tower reviewing this music. <laughs> no. We're having a discussion, a frank discussion, like two yeah. normal people would. Um it's funny that we were talking about not being capable of like, you know, we don't get sent albums in advance or whatever. Um so Greg started marketing this like a couple it was originally supposed to come out October twenty third. And then a reviewer actually leaked it. They leaked <gasps> it early. And so Greg was like, fuck it. I want to be in control of this. And he was just like, fuck it. If you ordered it on Bandcamp, I'm putting it on Bandcamp. In a week, it will be on Spotify. Like, he was just like, Damn. yeah. I can't believe like, leaks still happen. I know. That's bullshit, That seems like too. such it's a like, mid-2000s thing. I know. And, like, you were trusted to review the album, man. Like, what the fuck? So, I right. don't know. He didn't mention any names. And I'm like, I want to know. Um, <laughs> and it's it's cool because it's this label that it's on, which is Federal Prisoners, his label. So like he did, he had the he was able to pull the trigger on it and like release it all and stuff like oh, that. Nice. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like lemons out lemonade. He's like, I could be mad about this, or I could just release it to you guys. So and it worked out. He took so the high road. Cool. He did take the high road. Like I like that guy. Good for him. Well, yeah. and and typical. I'm glad we're doing this one for a. Uh, for like our kind of comeback episode because it's kind of typical in how we would do stuff back in the day where we would pick an album that was pretty, like had just come out pretty new and then our schedules would misalign so many times <laughs> that by the time we actually get around to recording it, it's like old news. Oh yeah, right? Oh, and that's God. what happened here. I know, and during a pandemic, like there's no excuse. <laughs> I know, right? So like, where were we? We were at where home. Were we? In all fairness, though, we did our, when we were trying to hash out the recording stuff, I was, like, nervous. I was like, oh, no, is this is this possible? I right. got all, like, nervous. We're on Skype right now recording for any listeners curious, like, how are they doing this this mundane, this this mediocre podcast? <laughs> Do you think they're wondering? Do you think they're sitting there going, how are they pulling this off? Right, yeah, they're just like, well, how is this being done? We're recording on our phones and Skyping to look at each other for, for human reaction and emotion. Yeah, it's, it's a pale facsimile of what we did five years ago <laughs> but it's gonna have to do yes yes it's, it's working out it's all good um, so shall we get into child soldier creator of god which i let's... always mix up the words in my head and want to say child god creator of <laughs> and then i forget the last word soldier of yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's let's get the fuck into it so um, greg pucciato why, why don't you set this album up because you chose this and and t- tell me why you chose this and kind of what uh what brought you to his music sure um well like dillinger escape plan before which i guess is most his most famous project um really got into them more later in life after they broke up so that's kind of sad but i saw them a handful of times and i liked them and out of that breakup of dillinger escape plan they've he formed with um a couple of other musicians, uh, the Black Queen, who's this like dark wave, awesome, that quasi industrial. I wouldn't even. I don't know. They play a lot of industrial fest. Like they played. Um, what's the one at the Metro? Uh, is it Cold Wave? Like they played that a couple of years ago. Um, so like they're that kind of they're that sort of music. Um, and I love them. They're probably like my favorite band. They're so good. And anything that Greg has touched since then, I've like been on. Mm-hmm. Um, along with the Black Queen, he's also in. 
You can tell this is a raw podcast. He is in. <laughs> we do not have notes. Right. I know. I, I know all this and I'm talking to people. I swear to God over a beer. But then when we're recording it, I'm like, oh, oh. Um. Well, we don't have beer. That's the problem. I know. Damn. We'll have to fix that next time. It's yeah. okay. Um, he's in Killer Be Killed. And that's in the. He's, so that's with people from. It's like a super group. Sure. But Greg screams and plays guitar in that one. So like he's like been pretty active since Dillinger broke up. But he's been saying in interviews, like, leading up to this, he's like, I always have this, like, mixed genre. I have these mixed genre songs that I've, that I've written, and I don't know. I don't really have a platform for them. So I want to do, like, my own solo thing. Um, of course, I'm paraphrasing, like, all the, like, the interviews I've listened to. But um, he's wanted to release this. And so he started releasing singles. His first one was Fire for Water, um, which we'll kind of, like, get into more. And then he started releasing, like, it's Fire for Water, Deep Set. So, like, two vastly different songs mm-hmm. right after another. Do you... Need to remind me, I think it was the third one. What really hooked me was uh, a pair of questions came out, which was super. That's. I wouldn't say I'm. It wasn't like a mirror image of the Black Queen, but it was like that still, like, kind of like this 80s sounding, like, synth wavy, like, stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I can't fucking wait for this album. Um, and so it's been on my radar since he started spitting out singles. And then just from being like a diehard Black Queen fan, I was like ready for this to come out. So it's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I really like it. Um, as a whole, it's very different, the whole thing. It's very different. It's one of the most eclectic <laughs> yeah. albums I've heard in, in quite a while. Yeah, um, it's And I think long. that it's, <laughs> it's got strong points because of that, and it's got some points that uh, I'm, I'm less crazy about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, you can feel, I think, that this is like a passion project of somebody that has these different influences and wanted to put this kind of eclectic thing together. I feel that way almost immediately too. Like I, I, if I'm sitting at work, I will listen to it front to back. Like I'll just throw it on the simple. And I'm like in my car, I do happen to like skip around a little bit. Um, like Heaven of Stone, like you know, it opens up with that, and it's like so gentle, and it gets right into, and then immediately goes into Creator of God, which I think starts off so strong, and like I'm like, where, like what is this? Like mm-hmm. this is like such like a, it's it's noisy and interesting, and then it gets into that like. The like the weird like noisy stuff, which he has an entire album of, like oh, separate really? from this. Yeah, and it's called um, it's raining cement with this artist Jesse Draxler. It's just a lot of noise stuff. So like Chelsea Wolf contributes to it. All these artists contribute to it, but it's very much like the end of that Creator of God song. I like that cool. moment a lot. Like I remember reading a little bit about this album and um, him kind of talking about the end of that song, be, like almost being like, or maybe it's not him, maybe it's the reviewer, but talking about the end of that song being like what it's like to be sucked through a black hole and ripped mm-hmm. apart. And mm-hmm. I think what, what Greg Pucciato was saying about it is like that kind of is the barrier to entry for the album. And if you can get through that song and still be on board, <laughs> then like you're going to, the rest of this album is for you. Absolutely. But I think, I think it's, it's interesting to put something like that as the second track on an album. Cause it's pretty like abrasive and um, not unapproachable, but it like, it's definitely, a challenging song and it's pretty long that that moment too but i do like it a lot like i like i would like to check out some more of his kind of noise stuff if it sounds like that yeah that album's up your that, that that's up your alley then that raining cement one they're like released like an art book with it too so it is like this whole experience you know, like envisions cool. or whatever um the end of creator of god I, it, when he first released fire for water it doesn't have that like eh, 
know, like that feedback, like is that the is right at the end of Creator of God, and it goes into Fire of Water, which makes it like super badass. Yeah. And it's, it wasn't on the single version of Fire for Water. So, like, to hear that come through, I was just, like, shaking my fucking my couch. Like, oh, my God, this is so intense. Like, oh, God. It's just a, it's a roller coaster. I just, oh, this album. Well, why don't we, you know, people might, people might not have heard this album front to back. Why don't we play them um, Fire for Water? And why don't we listen to it? And then we'll talk about it. Sounds good. Fire for Water from Greg Pucciato. Yeah, I really like it. I noticed listening to it just now that it's pretty cleanly like subdivided into three distinct parts. Mm-hmm. Like I really like the middle part where it gets more riffy and like almost kind of grindy. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. the whole album. I feel like the songwriting is is kind of segmented in that way, and I really like that. I like his. Uh, his vocals a lot as well. They're like, 
I think the right amount of brash and kind of and screamy, but not being kind of overdone. Mm, there's an interview with them. Well, I guess we'll maybe perhaps discuss this song later. But it's, do you need me to remind you, or do I need to remind you? God. Oh, that's a that's a really good one. Do you need me to remind you? Yeah. So like, it starts off kind of like that, like Alice in Chainsy sort of like like grungy thing and then like right in the bridge he starts like screaming and he said that like part of the reason he named the song do you need me to remind you is because people like listen to the black queen they're like man he, he's all soft now and he's like oh really like, and he's just like yeah oh, thank you like in the middle of it oh it's so good and that one too like the way it ends is almost kind of like post metal-y like it reminds me a lot of Isis and like Pelican kind of in the last section of it yeah it's like atmospheric yeah sorts. totally it's cool. Speaking of atmospheric, the last place we saw each other was the Cult of Luna show. That's right. That was Which, our last show, listeners. That was our last show our before last show. all this happened. I, I mean, what's crazy is like it was happening while we were there. Like I remember yeah. talking about it and being like <laughs> a little bit nervous about being in a room full of people and being like, right. well, get close to that guy. He looks like he could be sick. <laughs> and now it's like, holy shit, that was in March or February. I like I can't believe... That seems crazy now. I don't know when we'll be able to do that again. I know. And, like, after now having it, I realize how idly you can go by for a while without really being like, am I hungover or am I sick? Like, that was, like, literally the first probably, like, couple of days where I was like, hmm, I don't know. Like, if I was going to go to a show, I would have still gone to a show. Like, right. it, was, it was very sneaky sneaky. Um, yeah. I did. I regret 100%. Every time I die was the week after. And it was like the 312 day, so it was like March 12th, and um, Pritzker had just said, no events over a thousand people, and like I was supposed to go that night to the Metro, and I was like, well, what are they going to do? And I guess like the Metro, they already knew like there's going to be a handful of people that weren't going to show up, and they're a thousand cap rooms, so I think they like, they still kept the show on, right. and I didn't go, because I was like, no, the responsible thing is to not go, and like in hindsight, I'm like, it wasn't at the venue at that time. Like, it was not there. <laughs> right. I should have just gone because now I regret everything. <laughs> but you could have pushed it out. It could have been 999 people there and then you would have showed up and they would have been like, nope, sorry. <laughs> Everybody go home. We're at a thousand. God. The Cameo app, Keith Buckley's on there and I've, I've used a couple of them to send it to my friend though to be like, why don't we go to the show? And it's just him being like, you guys fucked up. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's, he really hammed it up. I gave him bare minimum to work with and he like really hammed it up. It's Hell really yeah. funny. I'm glad to know that he's on the Cameo app. I, I didn't know how wide of a reach that thing had. Pretty wide, actually. And <laughs> their um, super ripped guitar player, Andy Williams, is also on it. And their guitar player, Jordan's on it. He writes riffs for people on there. Like, he doesn't oh, really nice. talk so much as he just writes little riffs for people, which is kind of cool. I think they, they might be getting a little uh, a little request to plug a podcast in the near future. <gasps> That's a good idea. Ooh, Look at you. We'll have to, we'll have to see if our, our show's budget can afford it. Yeah, we'll that's a reason that you get, treasurer. We're going to have to get our Patreon on. <laughs> It will literally only fund our cameos, guys. Right. <laughs> and you're going to want to see those cameos. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But back to you, Greg. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. Fire for Water. Very abrasive. My friend described it as um, angry nine-inch nails, which, like, I was kind of like, what was he talking about at first? But I think kind of, I guess the vocals are very, like, Trent reznor in a way. And, like, I feel like Greg uh, is definitely influenced by Trent Reznor, I think, in, like, a lot of his projects. And, like, even just the way he looks, like, ripped black t-shirt, like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, Trent <laughs> Reznor. I think it's you can hear it a lot in other parts of the album. Like, there's definitely some songs where I'm like, this sounds like earlier Nine Inch Nails, this sounds like kind of more current 
Nine Inch Nails. There is yeah. a moment at the end of Fire for Water where it's kind of got those like, um, like those piano notes that are kind of ascending. Like that Ooh, yeah. reminds me a lot of like him and Atticus Ross's scores that they do. Like just kind of these like clangy, isolated piano notes. And I think there's a lot of that kind of like atmosphere spread throughout the album, which, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bands that kind of were coming to mind as I was listening to this. Like I already said Pelican and Isis, but they're one of my, actually my favorite track on the album is Down When I'm Not, oh, which is nice. kind of, like definitely a standout. It's a, the only song in the album that sounds like that, but it reminds me a lot of like later Sam I Am, a little bit of like Dinosaur Jr., like just kind of this grungy, grudgy punk rock. Um, but I love that song. I saw someone, and I'm not very familiar with them. Is the is the band named like Jesus and Mary Chain? Is that the yeah, name of them? Yeah, yeah. Would you say it's comparable to them? Yeah, like a a rougher, angrier, edgier version of them. But yeah, they're they're one of my favorite bands as well. That's interesting. They didn't yes. come to mind listening to this, but I can totally see that. Um, Greg, I think I believe I saw a little snippet of him uh, commenting on the song. It was about just being young and in love and only caring about your crush. And like, I definitely feel those vibes. I'm like, yeah, it's like a heart rush, not like a, oh, it's totally. like a, a heart rush. Yeah, it's definitely that you get that from the way it sounds. Like, it's just kind of that not juvenile, but that kind of youthful, like just fast, excited, yeah, yeah, melodic. Like perhaps driving to see that person or something, like, right? Like the knot in your stomach, but like also being like excruciatingly happy about it and stuff. Totally. And I was like, dude, you captured the vibe. I'm like, damn, man, you're an artiste. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they pay him the big bucks. They pay him the big bucks. He actually, uh, I keep like side checking. I, I just read so much about this album. I like literally every time he did an interview, I like listen to it. Um, you came prepared. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you oh. did because I am not. <laughs> no, it's fun though. It's kind of fun being like, Steve, did you know? Like, <laughs> so like the next album you record, it could be one that like. I like. I'll be like, who? Like, who is this? Right. Like, like, you learn. You learn me something. Um, he. Uh, he's like. He. I think he does everything but the drums on this album, which is really cool. And like, but he still like obviously wrote the songs and the percussion. Um, and Ben Kohler from Converge, I think, is the main drummer on all of it, except for like give or take a couple of songs. Um, his like old Dillinger drummer uh, Chris Penne is on one of the songs. Um, but it's interesting. Like Greg really took a hold of this. Like he didn't even like really hire too many studio musicians. He just like knew what he wanted. Like yeah. had in the back of his mind, just like executed it. And I like want to know. Like I'm like, how long were these songs sitting in the back of your mind? Because you clearly had them just fucking ready. Like right. oh. it, it feels like that a little. Like it the difference in the songs and like how eclectic it is seems like an album that's been waiting t- or like. Song, individual songs that have been accumulating over years in someone's mm-hmm. head and it's like you know maybe I, I don't have a a good outlet for this right now so I'm just gonna put this one away and it feels like this is like almost like a brain dump or like a creative dump of stuff he's wanted to do yeah it's just really cool I just, I've never really heard anything like it before um despite like following him for like a number of years I'm just like so impressed by it um but enough talking him off. Uh, uh, I think. I think. That being said, the dumping part—it's not a flaw. It's not a flaw because I don't know what I would do differently. But I do get thrown off by a handful of these slower tempo, softer songs on this record. I'm right there with you. Yes, and that the temporary object and fireflies, I think, are appropriate slow songs. Like I like those two songs. See, I do not fireflies. care for temporary object. I think that. For me, the vocals on that song are like a little bit like 
too sincere and like almost like adult pop. I feel that. I could see that. Like a, maybe it's just like the kind of like percussion that's behind it, but it's got like kind of a beat and it like, I don't know, it's just like temporary. And like, I don't know, that there's a couple of moments like that that are like maybe a little bit saccharine for me. I like um, Fireflies more. And mm-hmm. there's moments where I think those kind of slower melodic songs work well. Um, like the opening track has some of that, which I think works well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's a couple of moments where I'm like, yeah, that's not my, like, that's too mm. far on the spectrum of like from, you know, rough to polished. Yeah. Me. I will say that I like temporary object a lot more at first than I do now. It's definitely not, it's definitely one of those songs. Like I'll just skip to it because I like fireflies so much that I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm, I'm too impatient to like listen to this song. And I'll like go through it. Um, so like, I feel you on that. Like it definitely has lost my interest over time, but I don't, I don't group it in with like some of the other songs I'm referring to, like toward the end of the album where it kind of loses me a little bit where I'm just like, mm. um, are you talking about through the walls? Cause that's kind of a slower, more earnest vocal one through the walls might be the biggest one. Actually. Now that I'm looking at the order of the tracks, I think that's really, cause I will, I will usually skip it to go to a pair of questions because I like that song so a pair much. Pair of questions is very good. Oh, it's, uh, it's so, my friend called it, it's, it's such a simple song, but it slaps so hard. I'm like, I know. Like, it does. Like, oh. I like, I keep, when I, you know, I have a like boxcar playlist that I would just put on as I was working throughout the week that has everything I wanted to talk about on it. And this whole album's on there. And like, I would keep forgetting that this is the same album. Like I would think it had shuffled to a new album or something because mm-hmm. there are tracks that are so different. Like that is one for sure. Where I was like, oh, who, wait, who is this? I know this song. And I'll go, oh. <laughs> It's the same album that I was just listening to. It's crazy, man. Like, and maybe Through the Walls does that thing where it kind of just, like, s- distracts you from it. I think you know I do. I also usually skip through. Um, especially if I just came from Down When I'm Not, I want to listen to A Pair of Questions because it sounds like the same era of music. So I'm right. just like, no, I want to keep going on this, like, retro, like, thing. Like, this little, like, wave that we're on. Totally. But that ends really quickly because you get into Evacuation, which is a completely different and mind-blowing song, in my opinion. Um, that just kicks you in the teeth that's that's one that reminds me of nine inch nails a lot like that's one that i listen to and think of like nine inch nails of the last you know eight or nine years Mm -hmm. because it's got that kind of like chugging industrialness to it but i think the vocals like are kind of in that trent resnery zone Mm -hmm. i definitely see muscles flexing for sure yeah (laughs) it's just the seams of a black t-shirt being (laughs) stretched to their limit Well, why don't we play one of these ones that we just talked about? Because I feel like there are some, there are real fucking bangers in there. Oh, what do you want to go with? We could, we could skip Fireflies if you want. I think it sounds like, yeah. <laughs> do we're, you down we're just, I think we're vibing so hard on a pair of questions. Why don't we play that? Oh, okay. Let's, right. let's do it. Ready your ears, listeners. Here comes a pair of questions. <laughs> I make 
So yeah, I feel like the the kind of pace of that song, like it's just, I love the way it builds with the synths and stuff and like it feels very textured and layered and it's just a very like kind of nice, not quiet, but like a, a very, what the, what is the word I'm looking for to describe what it is? It's escaping me right now. 
I guess good. Is it soothing? It's very good. Do you feel soothed by it? Yeah, it's almost soothing. Like, it's gradual, I guess. Mm -hmm. Man, this is all over the place. But, like, (laughs) it it feels... There's not, like, a lot of, like, hard edges on this song, which Mm -hmm. I like about it. It It's, like, not soft, but it just feels like a nice warm bath. And maybe there's some crystals. (laughs) I don't know, man. That's just where it takes me. I believe, despite the the soothingness, I believe there's there's some pain behind this song. If I could find the... A little blurb from it. Um, Let's hear about it. I believe, if I remember the quote about it, I believe Greg was like, it's about two people whose dynamics never get particularly romantic, but they have like a lot of love for each other or whatever. And like, it's, I think it's like almost like a misconnection. Ah, here it is. It's a very literal song. Two people whose roles in each other's lives are hard to define, hard to pin down, dancing around one another. Maybe it never focuses into a fixed definition, but the feeling never changes. It's obviously a romantic song, but there's also some longing and there's an element of being perplexed and a little frustrated by the feeling as well. But ultimately there's a sort of bewilderment, bewildered contentment and appreciation for that feeling. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty adult. That's a pretty mature <laughs> subject matter. I know it's, it's, I like that. I know it's just, it's, it, I think it calls out of a, a feeling that a lot of people can't put a finger on kind of like trying to put a finger on the feeling of the song. Like, it's just like, it's, wow, way to bring it full circle. That was masterfully done. You know, it's just like this, like, oh, it's, it's escaping you. Like you said, like, it's escaping me. So it's like, oh, it's escaping you. Like, I don't know. This man's but yeah, that I mean, that speaks to a very um, relatable kind of situation that I think a lot of people have found themselves in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of, we're, we're near the end of the album with that song. So... Uh, what what else jumps out to you about this album? So despite the slow parts that that derailed me a little bit earlier in the album, Heart Free will lose me at first, but I stick with it because at the end it is just like this brutally painful like set of lyrics or whatever that like really like get me geared for September City, which I think is a beautiful, very loving song. Which like I don't know, I like it makes me think of like. Oh, I don't want to talk about him in case this doesn't age well, but like I'm currently seeing somebody that I have a very great relationship with, and every every time I listen to September City, I'm just like I just think about him. Like I think about the end of it, um, because it it starts off as this like slow song, and like the end of it's just like down 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 now like it all is just like in all up in your ears and like beautiful and like it's this beautiful like screaming singing that's like just right in your face. So like those two at the end, Heart Free and September City, really put the bow on this album, despite it like maybe being like kind of like a a mixed up weird shaped present like it, it really just ties the bow on top of it like yeah you don't know you what it find is a box but... that it would fit in right but it's a it, rhombus it, it, yeah <laughs> well listen i if 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 it if this song doesn't age well and something goes horribly wrong in your relationship which i don't think it will i think it's gonna go great thanks man but <laughs> I've, I've got backup music for you because september city especially the guitar part reminds me a lot of a band called agaloch Oh, interesting. Which is a, I, I think you would call them an atmospheric folk metal band that are from Oregon. And they like, they have an album called Ashes Against the Grain, which I think is uh, one of their best albums. Definitely one of their most like widely recognized. Um, but it's, it is chock full of that type of stuff. So I recommend you check that out. Nice. It's pretty good. I would love to. If, if you'd like to play maybe a little clip of them later. To, uh... Whoa. Whoa. I, I don't I didn't come prepared for that, but maybe it'll happen. <laughs> if you subscribe to our Patreon, you might just get that bonus clip. 
We'll see. Yeah, that's we'll see true. how it shakes out. You're but right. at the very least, I'll send you a link to it after if I forget. I want to donate to Patreon just so I can listen to this band, <laughs> honestly. How long? That could be a good way to keep the, keep the money flowing for this is if we just demand donations from one another. $10 every month. <laughs> be like, what are we going to do with all this money? <laughs> I'm trying to think how long September City is without actually playing it. I guess if I try It's four phone. minutes and 51 seconds. I... Told you that just from memory. I definitely don't have <laughs> iTunes open right now. I mean, I believe that number. Whole but we haven't, we haven't talked about song length yet, which, I mean, mm. you must talk about it. We should go There's some long songs on this, this MFR. <laughs> I would say they probably average like four and a half to five minutes. Yeah. It does not cheap out. No, it doesn't. You get your money's worth mm-hmm. from old Greg. I wish I had my vinyl. Uh, people are just now starting to get it delivered, and I have got one that should be delivered eventually. Um, I would have loved to have dissected it on this podcast, but maybe the next episode I could recap and be like, here's what came in it or something. I don't know. But Do you keep all of the shit that comes with your records? Because I do, and I feel like a idiot for it. Like, I keep the little download code card and all that stuff just, like, out of a weird kind of pack rat mentality. Yeah. So anytime I go to pull a record down yeah. from the shelf, it's, like, invariably a expired download card will fall out of it. And I just put the nestle that thing right back in there, and I go, no, no, no. It needs, it needs to be the complete package. Absolutely. I uh, I showed you last time we spoke that I have all these CD jackets on my wall, and I've got, within the jewel cases, I still have um, the order forms for merch and, nice. uh, and CDs and stuff, because that's the only way I would get, like, some of these weird records, that, or CDs that I have is Best Buy didn't sell them, so, like, if I wanted the first record from, like, I think I had to order Thrice's um, Identity Crisis off of that, actually, uh, now that I'm looking at it. Um, that was not in Best Buy. Like, I, Artists in the Ambulance came out when we were avid music listeners as teenagers and that's what like got me into thrice and then i backtracked their catalog with that and like they're like one of like the founding reasons i like like hardcore punk mm-hmm. or whatever because like these old thrice records are are like that but i had to go through the cd jack and order it and stuff and i keep that shit all the yeah, time yeah memories i yeah. i keep um i don't do this with records but a lot of my movies if you open them up you'll see the little receipt from reckless records that is in nice. there, which I keep so I can, I don't even know why, but you would open it up and you would see it. that and then you would slowly close it and set it back on the shelf and then back slowly out of my apartment because you would be more <laughs> an insane person. All right. Well, I think at this point we've uh, sidetracked from Greg enough. So why don't we wrap this discussion up? I mean, on our old episodes, we used to give like ratings to albums. Should we do that? That feels weirdly dishonest to me. It does. It does. Because I feel like my rating of it would be, would have to do with both the backstory of a lot of this and like everything I've read about it and every interview. And it like, it would have, it would like be half the music and half like the backstory. And I would want to give it a five out of five because like, I know, you know, we know what we know now. And I'm like, oh, it's a gem. Hang this on the wall. Let it win a Grammy. Like, I'm just like, (laughs) but so I think, I, I don't know about the rating system anymore. And I feel like, we only listen to albums that we like. So it's true. Like, we don't subject ourselves yeah. to stuff that we don't like for the sake of uh, pretending to be actual reviewers. So why don't we just close this out by saying we both like the album. I think you probably like it more than me, but I like it a great deal. I like it a great. I like that a great deal. <laughs> that sounds nice. Could you see it being on your top ten of the year potentially? Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff that's come out this year. Maybe. 
I would say that should be like a running question, maybe for yeah. us. Like, just like, what was your top ten so far? So, could it be on your top right. ten? That might be a fair. That's question. yeah. That's I like that. Could it be on our on your yeah. top ten in lieu of a rating? I would say at the very yeah. least, it would be an honorable mention because I, as I said, nice. I like it a great deal, and All you right. can quote me. <laughs> A great yeah. deal. Put, put that on, <laughs> on your website, Greg. Yeah. You too can get the great deal membership <laughs> if you go to the $25 a month level at Patreon. We'll send you a great deal enamel pin that you can show off at the concerts that you're not going right, to. Right, that you might never go to again. We don't know what's going to happen. Ever. Oh, they might only get to listen to Boxcar just wow. to fulfill their that musical. puts a great responsibility Boy. on our shoulders. So I think we can handle it. I think we can handle it. So far, it. we're doing great. So... I'm not worried about it. Well, Steve, speaking of old episodes and what we used to do, what sort of um, boxcar albums have stood the test of time for you to this day? Are there any that you could think of that you actively still listen to? Well, I was looking through our, uh, our archive of episodes to see what we had reviewed, and there's quite a lot that I still really, really like. Um, I mean, the first one that jumped to mind is Rooms of the House by Lotus Butte. Like, I would say mm. of the last... God, I was going to say the last five years, but that album came out more than five years ago. Of the last 10 years, that is one of my, far and away, one of my favorite albums. Like, I think the writing on it is just so incredible. I think the musicianship, mm-hmm. like, it's, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal record. A lot of love put into that one. What about you? Um, also a lot of them. I think Rooms of the House. I listen to a lot of dispute, like, a lot in general, but, um... And I'll listen to other albums because they're way more like, like if I'm in like a, a god-awful mood, I listen to like other albums that are like more personal stories, I think. Whereas like Rooms of the House was like a clear reflection of like looking through the different sets of eyes, which I think was really yep. cool. But I still have to say Rooms of the House, I think, is the most well-written album they've put out. Agreed. Um, and they put out a new album since then that I, I like. I was listening like, to it today. Okay. What do you think of it? I like it too. I keep every time I put it on, I I am waiting for it to grab me the way Rooms of the House does, and I don't think it can. Um, yeah. But I think I I still admire the work that went into it and that album artwork. Get out of town. I know. I it, know. It is very good. Uh, I would say, I mean, the very first episode that we did together was on the Impossible Past by the Menzingers, and that is mm-hmm. still one of my favorite albums. Um, that we've covered and just like one of my favorite recent punk albums for sure. Nice. I feel with that sort of music, I don't want to, there's a term for it and it's not diet punk, but I heard that it, at one point it was referred to as like org core, core, I think was like the yeah. name of it or something. It's like, so, it's like softer emotional punk, I guess. Sure. And I feel like at the time of our recording, I really didn't give a hoot outside of like the Lawrence Arms and stuff like with, with that kind of stuff. And now that just like been through so much and then I'm like older. I fucking love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, now I'm just like, oh, this hits. This yeah. hits. And I just, like, blast it and, like, drink beer and, like, make dinner. And I'm like, this this is what I wanted. <laughs> if I could describe... I Joyce Manor. Yeah. Yes. Joyce Manor is great. It's just... Yeah. It makes you feel things. It does. <laughs> like, it's nice and sad. Well, I, I have to say, I am shocked by how well what we're talking about is, is going to transition into a song that I want to play. Nice. So just to give everybody a peek behind the curtain, one thing Kelly and I talked about was playing some full tracks for you of stuff that we've been listening to lately, and then maybe you'll like it, and maybe you'll be like, hey, that's a cool track, I should listen to that. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you'll learn something. And, listen and up, decide kids. to be a Patreon member. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So just talking about Joyce Manor and that kind of like, I guess you would call it, I don't know what wave of emo we're on right now, like probably five or six. Like versions? Like emo volume six? Yeah, like I think, yeah, like brand new, that kind of era, that was probably like fourth wave, right? What, what was first wave? First opinion? wave would be... During like 80s? Yeah. Like sad boys? Like uh, okay. Rites of Spring, Embrace, like 1985 era. And then second wave is like early 90s, like kind of screamo. And then Texas is the Reason and stuff like that, who I never got into. Early Weezer, I guess, would have been like sure, yeah. the third and fourth, yeah. right? To be like a mate to like name someone mainstream that like kind of brought it like who's the one that I was thinking is it Jets to Brazil yeah. that was like a man? they're a, a jawbreaker spinoff yeah, yeah they're <laughs> Jets to Brazil yeah, they're good as hell I used to listen to them when I was younger because they were on like compilation records but I never got into them but like weren't they like kind of like an earlier they, well they're like like you said more punk they were like mid two thousand oh it's all coming back to me a little bit now yeah yeah. I feel like just now people are starting to write about early emo and like I know almost nothing about it like. And just now, a lot of articles have been coming out about it. Like, all these bands that really paved the way for some of this stuff. And no one gave a shit because there weren't, like, these hot dudes on Fuse that, like... Mm-hmm. Like, maybe... I mean, there was no Fuse either. Sure, there was MTV, but was MTV showing any of that stuff? I, I would bet not, especially since most no of way. it came out of, like, the kind of Discord um, DC hardcore, which was very not something that would have been on television. Yeah. But I guess it's probably it's dumb to talk about emo in terms of waves if it's something that's just been ever present. Like you don't talk about band a band being like tenth wave punk rock. Like it's just punk rock is something that is just around. It's like a torch that just keeps getting lit, and it's just like done a little differently, right. I suppose. But anyway, talking about like kind of contemporary emo, there's a band that I've been sleeping on for a long time called Sincere Engineer. And they're a Chicago oh, band. Yes. Yeah. And like, what the fuck? I just finally started listening to them, despite like having seen them pop up what feels like once a week on punk news. And mm-hmm. goddamn, they're really good. I haven't super delved into them, but like, I, I did give them a whirl back then. I was like, I can't believe these guys are from around. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, they always get sandwiches named after them and stuff. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> they're always getting sandwiches named after them. Always. Like, always. I, they, they remind me of kind of like. Uh, like American football and mineral and whatever like previous wave of emo that was but they've got kind of like more energy more like kind of punky edginess to them and their writing is really good so they have a new single out called trust me new ish like in boxcar terms meaning it came out within the last month or two um so I'm gonna play that I think, and I think it's really great nice. here we go all right
so like what what are some other albums that we've covered in the past that have kind of stuck with you um now i gotta like get back in my brain um if i get thrown for a loophole or i got thrown for uh i don't know what the, what the term is. no i think it's i got thrown for, for a loophole that sounds right oh thrown yeah now i'm just thinking about emotional music I, um, I would say the beauty between by reviver was one that i come back to a lot i've listened to it I, I, I listened to it, I would definitely say, like, five times since we talked about it. <laughs> so once a which, year. Which seems like, which seems, yes, like, which seems like nothing, but, like, every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, I forgot how fucking great yeah. this is, or whatever, and I just, I, we went to see them at Township, or Township Club, That's right. I remember. Yeah. It was so much fun, too. It was, that was a great show. Yeah, that was a good show. Oh, man, dude, venues. We'll talk about venues later, but, um, that is a, that's a solid record. I, I always forget about it, and I don't know how. And I think I'll be more on this stuff now that we're, like, discussing it. Right. Now, like, it'll be, like, more, like, on my mind. But that one definitely holds up. Um, we just talked about them, Joyce Mayer, but never um, – was – is it never – Oh, never – Never hung over Yeah, yet? that's a good one. Um, is it actually? That, yeah, that's it. Really? Because then there's Falling in Love Again, which is a song. Oh, yeah. So, like, so what is it? Is it – Yeah, Never hung over Again, it's right. Don't second guess It is yourself. Never hung over Again. Yeah. Okay, well, there's a lot of agains. Right. Um, as an album a lot, I usually listen to them. I listen to the same group of bands every time I listen to this album. So I literally will listen to this. I'll listen to like a Touche Amour record. And then as a total weird, like sidetrack, I listen to Microwave. You ever listen to Microwave? No. They're like, they're not even like these bands, but like their vibe just reminds me of like a cozy show and like watching like a cozy show. Cool. And then Microwave is supposed to tour with a band called Dogleg earlier this year and dogleg then circles back to like this like emotional punky weird music or whatever nice um yeah and so i every time i listen to never home over again i end up like going on this weird this weird i guess i i don't know what to call it just this weird thing i don't it's know l- emotional like music. A, a subgenre <laughs> unto itself like a, just a cadre of bands that kind of pair nicely together yeah um, God, I should have picked. I should cue up a dogleg song actually to play because they're like a baby band, as far as I know. It'd be cool to kind of get them some shine some light. Let's, let's give but them anyway. the boxcar bump. What song is the one that I always play? I think it's song Fox.
What'd you think of that? What'd you think of that? Well, song? I can see why you listen to Joyce Manor right afterwards. It sounds a lot yeah. like it's definitely in that same family. Although at two minutes and fifty seconds, it's like three times the length of a Joyce Manor song. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. But yeah, that's really I good. That's, I think I grouped them together because they remind me of each other. And every time I listen to that. Never hung over again in the car. It's over in like you right. know, two and a half, two and a half minutes. The album, um, and then I was like, oh, I want to keep listening to this. I'll either repeat the album or I'll go on another band. I usually end up listening to them. But the band that they were going to tour with, Microwave, sounds nothing. Well, they, I mean, I don't know. They can't sound nothing like, like them rock if they're in a tour together. Yeah, they're well, they're super, super different. I guess I think Microwave kind of sounds like a. Um, a less sad Manchester Orchestra because Manchester Orchestra is kind of gets like heavy mm-hmm. at times like in terms of their like subject matter that they sing about and stuff but like Microwave is very um fun like I'm sure I mean sad boys at heart but sure. like there's there's different I guess I, I don't know enough about them to like talk about them enough but they were gonna tour and that was like probably like that was that had to have been March 17th I was gonna go see that show so that was like one of my first casualties Damn. of the uh of the pandemic um I was really bummed about that one because it was just me and my friend Bo just, like, the tickets were, like, I think 15 bucks at, like, Bottom Lounge. Like, we're, like, oh, these little bands are, like, budding. Like, it sounds, this is going to be fun. Like, I, I love, like, a nice, I don't like when I like a band so much that I'm anxious about the show to right. go. Because I want to make sure it's perfect. Right. It's, like, a low, like, it's a like, low-stake show. Yeah, it's, like, I can't drink that much because like, <laughs> I need to make sure I'm where I need to be at the time. But, like, this show is going to be, like, a fun fucking show, which, like, I feel like I never get to go right. to, really. So, like, ah. Uh, I would. I hope that that is a tour that comes back around because that would have been a really fun one to yeah. go to. But well, let me know if it does, anyway. and then we can go together. Hell yeah, hell yeah! I think that would be so much yeah. fun. God, bottom lounge. I love going to shows there. Yeah, I fucking hope it survives. I hope all these places survive. I know it looked like they. So they were doing a patio all summer, and they did food and carry out for a while. But them along with Shuba's. Is just done for the season now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's probably just like the, I guess the overhead's probably too much compared to what they put into it, maybe yeah. or what they get out of it. So I don't know. Uh, but venues that are still serving food, y'all that live in Chicago, and if you're listening out of state, look up and see if your venues are serving food or takeaway drinks. It's one way you can support them during these trying times. Yeah, I need to get better about that. I I, I have not been uh, a good a good patron of the places that I like that I don't normally order delivery from anyway. It's all good. I'm, I'm now becoming that person. Now I'm, I'm settling into home cooking, which like I kind of ignored. I've like dabbled in, but now I'm like, because everything's so much more chaotic now, right. I'm like, I just want to hide inside and cook things and stuff. So like, I feel yeah. you. Like there's comfort in like kind of just staying in the zone. And I don't know. Um, have you done any virtual shows? No, I haven't. I've been curious about them. I know um, the Dirty Nail, who I like a lot, has been doing summer, is planning to do like a virtual tour with different kind of supporting bands, which would be cool. But yeah, I mean, have you done any? I have tried to tune into several of them. Um, I wish they just left the recordings up for you to click on later. um, Mm -hmm. Because like, they'll be like on a Tuesday night at like eight o'clock and like... I'll just be, like, dozing off on my couch, like, watching something that's on the show. And, like, it, they only give you about, like, 24 hours to watch them sometimes. So I've been bu- I've actually bought tickets to quite a few of them, and I'm fine with that because, like, I do want to support them right. or whatever. But, like, I don't get to watch all of them, unfortunately. Um, I bought a ticket for Pup, like, two weeks ago. Oh, nice. Totally forgot about that. Like, I forgot about that one entirely. That's the other thing is, like, I just forget because, like, I'm not going to these places. So, like, 
I'll get an email and be like, oh, fuck. Like, and I'll already be, like, doing something. Um, or, like, uh, this one, like, I was whatever about. Because I, like, I phased out of saying anything so much. Like, I used to love them. And now I just don't care. Mm-hmm. But, like, Max Bemis, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, and What's-His-Name from Sparta did, like, an acoustic show. And I bought it through the Metro's website, mm-hmm. so it, like, went to them. But I totally missed it. But at the same time, I wasn't very motivated to, like, watch it. Like, so, I guess that's... Uh, very opinionated thing on that but like aside from that i like the idea of virtual shows now that it's winter time and patios are closed i think i'll be way more inclined to watch them if venues want to keep doing them um but talking to our mutual friend Corey, um who steve and i may perhaps have mentioned in the past but we'll mention now he's a promoter and he says that the what you get out of those virtual shows in terms of ticket sales versus what those companies charge to have them they don't make a lot of money really so like yeah i mean that makes it sense. sucks to know that all this effort goes into it just for it to... It's really just for the fans. It's not really for the promoters or for the venues, which which kind of sucks. So, yeah. yeah. Locally, Lincoln Hall, they do a couple each week, and they do it through their own streaming called Audio Tree. Do they use Audio Tree? Yeah. And they do 50-50 with the band, so it's 10 bucks I think, for the show. And they literally said it's 5 bucks to the venue, 5 bucks to the band. Nice. They split it, and I'm like, oh, good. Like, I'm glad that that works out. So, like, if every venue maybe found their format of that or teamed up with Lincoln Hall... I don't know, like, maybe that's just the solution for it, because that really cuts out, I'm assuming, like, some middleman that, like, these other yeah, things, like, some Noon Whistle. Live Nation type. Know. Yeah, or, like, YouTube, I know, was talking about, like, doing something, and I'm like, yeah, but are you? Like, I don't right. know, like, are you just gonna, like, be a platform, or are you gonna charge up the ass right, for exactly. it? Like, I don't know. So, it's interesting. Um, we'll see what happens. It seems like it's, there's more than there was before, so maybe it will improve now that they're, that's pretty much the only option right now, so... Yeah. It's hard because it's like, I feel like part of the reason I like shows and more so like live recordings of shows is like there being an audience there Mm -hmm. more than just like hearing the band play a song live because it's like that adds so much to the music is to like hear like the audience be a part of it, especially with punk rock where so much of it is about like singing along or accidentally ripping the mic out of someone's hands, like... Oh, yeah. Like, you you um, can't replicate that. Not hearing applause after a song is strange. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, I didn't realize it. Like, with these baby bands I was watching, it didn't really matter so much because it just reminded me of, like, an extended music video. But, like, I think what I noticed it more is, like, Thursday, the band Thursday, played St. Vitus Bar, which is, like, a famous venue. I think it's, like... From what I've observed, I think it's, like, the equivalent to our metro of, like, New York. Like, it's, like, you know, like, a thousand cap room. Maybe it's, like, a 500 cap room. And so they did it there. And at first they had the camera in the middle of them, which I thought was, like, really awkward. And it kept, like, rising up and stuff like that. And I was, like, oh, I don't, like, I, I just wanted to watch you guys. Right. Like, and thank God it was just for the first song. But then, yeah, it just, like, kind of pans the whole time. And every time they would stop, like, that's when I realized nobody's clapping. Nobody's <sighs> being, like, fuck yeah. yeah. Like, it's like watching a uh, practice yes oh yeah when you're just when, like you know someone in a band you're just sitting there you're like this is cool <laughs> so like, you guys done so we can go eat right can we go Taco Bell like can we go Denny's um and then Run the Jewels did a really good job with their live stream recently they did one for um they teamed up with Ben and Jerry's and had people like pledge to vote or mm. whatever and then they just did like a YouTube concert and they just played their new record um RTJ4 front to back and uh I mean, when they stop rapping, like, you know, their DJ halts, like, doing stuff, and, like, they have, like, a pause in between songs, I'm like, this is the weirdest one so far, because with hip-hop, people are, like, fucking going crazy right. the entire time, and, like, 
screaming and stuff. And I'm like, this is the weirdest one so far. Even though they did a fantastic job with it. And they really had, like, cinematography added to it. They were, like, in the middle of a warehouse with, like, purple and blue light shining all over them. And, like, re- they, they have so many guest spots. Like, they have, like, Josh Holm and, uh, or Homie, I, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. They have, like, Zach De La Roca, like, on their record. And they just had, like, video of them, like, doing it from, like, maybe uh-huh. in the past or, like, from, like, a different location. And it was really well done. But that lack of audience... It's wild. Yeah. It's just, and I didn't know it would trip me up so much. It's like when they, when there's like a live recording or a bootleg or something and like the crowd isn't mic'd right. And it's just like, it, it almost makes it sound like the, they're not playing well or like the show's going right. badly. Cause like you can't hear the applause. Exactly. It's just, it's very surreal. Cause it's not like it anything that you experience unless you have the misfortune of being somebody's ride to band practice and you have to just watch them. <laughs> being someone's mom. Right. I did watch, this is kind of funny, I watched a Zoom comedy show, and that was weird. Like, we all had to unmic ourselves and, like, say, like, yeah! Oh, my God. Like, so, like, I think it was his first one, the guy who was doing, like, his first virtual show, and he's like, wow, this is really hard to do without laughter. <laughs> like, not, like usually I know it's not funny like, in real life, but right now I really don't know. And um, that was interesting. But it's kind of funny to, like, talk to them, too, like, on, like, the, like, typing, like, we were, like, able to type some stuff, so, like, that was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, man, weird. It's just weird. It, yeah, um, it just makes you hope that, like, this is not something that we have to get that good at, you know? Yeah. Like, hopefully we're just at a point where we can get out of this and be like, yeah, we never really perfected the live show thing, but that's fine because we can actually be here in person now and not, exactly. like, 2022 and we're still trying to get the hang of it. I think an article came out today. I, I didn't read it, and I didn't really catch too much wind of it, but I just saw someone in, like, a Facebook group post about it. Did did you catch whether or not Live Nation, like, issued their initial, um, like, COVID disclaimer to get back into their shows? Did you say no. anything about that? Let me just Google it really quick and see if I can find something right away. But what I saw is now that there is a chance of a vaccine kind of getting distributed is they, like, have these disclaimers now, which I kind of anticipated happening with um, any event. Where you can, you to get into it, once you buy a ticket, you either have to show proof of your vaccine or you have to have tested negative within 72 hours of the event, which means they're going to really have to, like, amp up the rapid testing availability and, like, people probably doing it at home, I would assume. And those rapid tests are, like, they're, they're not ironclad. Right, right. I had to do one for, I did, I did both, and uh, they were telling me, like, they're like, well, it's not always, um like accurate like all the time right. or whatever i was like why am i getting it <laughs> just <laughs> i was to like make why am i paying this. for this you know just for fun um yeah I'd... i can't i can't find anything t- that came out today so maybe it was just a rumor but uh we'll see we'll see what happens yeah i wouldn't be surprised sure if we wind up in like a wristband scenario if you've gotten the vaccine that's what the movie right. contagion has led me to believe will happen oh i haven't seen that oh one. dude what once this is all paranoid? over it's a good movie Okay, once it's all over, yeah. okay. Don't watch it. The first now is not a good time. The day all the restaurants got shut down, I watched Shaun of the Dead, like, oh, to be funny yeah. about it. And it actually, when it got to all the desolate parts, even though it's a hilarious movie, when it got to, like, the news, like, eh, like, nothing. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable, yeah. actually. <laughs> Especially, like, that early on. Like, I, I would not want any kind of reminder. It was desolate, yeah. that's for sure. Um, even driving back today, now that the cases are, like, ramping up, like, a lot of, like, I stopped at two different Chase Banks for quarters, and both of the branches were closed, and I could only assume, probably because one of their members has it, and they're like, well, this one's closed, there's a thousand other Chase Banks, so I'm like, but I just went two for two, <laughs> and they're both closed, and I'm like, this is what it's gonna be like, yeah. oh my god, 
So I'm just not going to do laundry again. Yep. So you could help me do laundry if you're a Patreon donor. <laughs> you can let me know about your laundry. I don't think machines. Patreon has a way to give actual quarters to people. Damn it. Send us your, your quarter yeah, rolls. That'd be mail great. Us some. That went on a tangent, but you know what? We have to talk about the pandemic at some point. It's all conversations. Yeah, can't pretend Sorry, it guys. doesn't exist. <laughs> um, so we got through some of my, my main questions. We've also already kind of covered like canceled shows. Were there any, was there anything big that you uh, had tickets to that you still think about that like you missed or like they got rescheduled or? No, I've become such a like fair weather fan in terms of going to shows. Like I'll usually, <laughs> I've just been burned too many times where I'll buy tickets in advance when they go on sale and then not go or forget to go <laughs> or have to work late or something like that. So now I've been, I've just, I've been leaving it up to the fates where like if the show's going to sell out, then I'm not going to go. Otherwise I'll get a ticket like week up. But because of that, okay. I didn't have any tickets. I was planning to see um, Young Gov, which is uh, Ben Cook from Fucked Up's like side project, like kind of like cool. 80s power pop side project that I really like. And I th- think this is the first time he's come to Chicago or is planning to come to Chicago, or at least that I'm aware of. Uh, and that was supposed to be in May. So that did not happen. And Damn. who knows if he'll ever come back. But yeah, I you're a much more uh, dedicated showgoer than I am. I feel like I, I was very much a flaky showgoer before, though. I don't know. I I I feel like it's a lot. A lot of it's reflected in. Um, I don't know. I guess not to get. I don't want to get too like into like mental health or whatever. But like just like your mental well being at the time. Like oh, it's hard sure. to commit to things when you're feeling like shit for like a long totally. time. Um, and it's easy to blow things off. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think in the last couple of years, even though I was mentally in a shitty place, I would find like solace in like shows I would go to. That's like when I would be happy and like. I figured out, like, I'm like, oh, okay, I feel happier, like, when I go. I shouldn't ditch them or whatever. But, like, man, there was a couple of years where I blew off thousands of dollars of show tickets. Like, I would just not fucking go. Like, I remember I paid so much money when Thursday came to Lincoln Hall. I remember I, like, waited online. Like, when they came out, I think I paid, like, 75 bucks for the whole weekend to go, and I blew off all the shows, like, that I had tickets for. Because I was just, like, depressed. I don't know. And now, in hindsight, I'm like, fuck. Like, (laughs) damn it. So, like, it just just sucks. But, like, you know... Maybe thousands of dollars is a little drastic, but shows cost they a lot. They do. So it could, maybe. I don't know. The most expensive but show I, that I ever didn't go to was um, when Bob Dylan was touring, like, when we lived together. Do you remember this? I remember other shows, not the Bob Dylan show. So he was coming to, like, he was on a tour, and he wasn't coming to Chicago, but he was coming to, like, Naperville or something, like, some suburb. Oh, And, okay. you know, I was, like, twenty. 20 i think at the time or 19 like did not have access to a car had no idea how to get to that place and like the tickets i think sold out pretty quickly so i bought like scalped tickets online for like 230 dollars or some shit like that with no plan for how i was going to get out there like i think i maybe asked our roommate john if i could borrow his truck or something but i like had nowhere to park it and I realized, like, slowly over the course of, like, a week, it's like, I'm not going to go to this show. That money went down the drain. And guess what? Added a show at the Metro, like, the next week. <gasps> yep. Dude. And it was, like, you know, $50 tickets or something. And I didn't go to that either. That's fucking awful. Like, out of spite, did you not go? I, it was more just, no. like, I, I couldn't <laughs> remind myself in person that I dropped, you know, 
especially at that age, like, that was a lot of money to be spending yeah, on a show. Dude. And, like, I, I don't think I could bring myself to spend more money and then the whole time sit there thinking, you fucking idiot. Why did you oh, think you would man. be able to get to the suburbs when you don't live there and don't have a car? That fucking sucks. I don't even. I don't remember this happening at all. Yeah. I wish I could have. I, I, might, I might not have told anybody about it. I might. <laughs> I might have kept it buried until now. Aww. But that's where. I, that's the kind of person I. That's the kind of planner I was at that age. So that's oh, changed dude, a little bit. That, that really sucks. What can you do? Um, something similar. Not really. Not per se similar happened to me, but like. So like my like biggest like soft boy that like I listen to is Hosier. I fucking love Hosier. I think he's a phenomenal musician and like the songs that he's known for do nothing compared to like his actual like amazing like his his full albums are just so beautiful and he's he's like a, a angel from heaven <laughs> when he sings and like his shows are so beautiful. He has like a whole choral like section behind him and stuff and it's beautiful. But anyway, he like wasn't touring for a while, but then he announced a tour and like. He was playing Lollapalooza for Chicago and he was playing the Rave in Milwaukee. And I was like, I'm going to the Rave. And like, it actually turned into this whole thing where like two other cars with the people were like meeting me there. And like me and Bo were like heading up there. Like, I remember I was like rushing from work, like got off at four, got my way up there. My stomach was like upset the whole time. So like we had to like stop a lot. And it was like the most frustrating fucking trip up there. We got there right as he started playing. And there's so many people that you could fit into the Rave. Like, Three songs from the end of his set. I was like, we're fucking moving. Like, we're there for like 40 minutes. But I did not want to try to get out of the parking lot with all those people. And then go back to Chicago. Sure enough, we get back in the 94 from Milwaukee. And they're doing construction on the highway. And it took us like three Holy hours to shit. get home that night. Lo and behold, after all that, he announces like a private after show at the Metro. Oh my, after Lollapalooza. Oh my God, dude. Which I also went to and had a great time. But I was like, good, I fuck that show. <laughs> fuck that Milwaukee date. If I knew, I wouldn't have gone. I would not have gone. <laughs> and I think before the Metro one got announced, I think he announced one for Chicago Theater like in November or something. And I was like, fuck. Yep. Like, it's almost so always really better to wait. Yeah, and Chicago's such a major city, like, they're going to announce a show eventually right. for here. So, like, I've learned that yeah. now. Like, as long yeah. as nobody dies before the next tour, <laughs> right. like, they're going to come back. Exactly. So I'm like, nah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Better, Always better to wait. I mean, that, like, you yeah. know my Cult of Luna story, and I think I've talked about it on yes. the show before, but, like, <laughs> has been one of my favorite bands since high school, and don't come to North America at all very often, and we're coming through Chicago to the metro and i bought tickets and remembered like three days after the show that the show happened Dude, then there was another awful. time that they were coming to town and it was going to be on mine and my girlfriend's anniversary so i didn't go to that one and then i finally <laughs> third time's a charm you and i went to see them together at house of blues we did and it was a great show and i was i was feeling ill that like i just had like a regular cold that night but it was enough to make me feel like shitty and i remember watching that set and being so like into it and i was like i don't want to leave right now but i felt like myself like physically falling asleep a little bit too because like their music is like kind of carries yeah, you it's pretty droney i was like i gotta i gotta go <laughs> i think but like i regret not staying because it, that was like one of the musically most talented shows i've ever seen in my life i was like these guys are fucking awesome like god yeah they put i'm i'm glad i got to see them live because they 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 bring it out like they yeah they are pretty not orchestral, but there's a lot of layers to their music and they're able to recreate it pretty faithfully. But you are right to leave because you left at like the halfway point of like a two hour set. <laughs> and they boil, like one a big pet peeve of mine is like when you go to see like a kind of a newer band 
and they like they haven't quite nailed the banter yet so it's just like a lot of fucking chit chat in between songs yeah opposite problem with cult of luna they did nope, not say yeah. one single word outside of a song for the whole two hours it's very metal it was very metal <laughs> and it's like i've seen interviews with them i know they can speak english but they just they've oh got that restraint God. they've got that swedish restraint that's hilarious yeah. it just kept going yeah. like i didn't actually know when to leave i was like i I don't know. Yeah. No <laughs> That's inappropriate. Like God. Well, if I can go back, I wish I stayed, but <laughs> a lot of things I would have changed. Right. Whew. Anyway, we'll do it all again one day. Exactly. It's okay. One day. I'm, I'm forward thinking, forward thinking. Yeah. Um, one thing we want to do going forward with our episodes is maybe highlight some more stuff about venues and like what you can do to help them in the meantime. Um, I know that everyone's kind of financially pinched um, right now, but... We do love these places, so, you know, if they ever have, like, cool patches, maybe for five bucks, you know, it's always, like, something to think about. But, um, one thing I saw announced this week was the Chicago Independent Venue League is going to put on a virtual festival. I don't think much information is announced yet, aside from the date, so let me see if I can look that up. It's called the Civilization. Nice. (laughs) A virtual festival celebrating Chicago's independent venues. And I guess it's going to be in four streams, November 27th, December 4th, 11th, and 18th. And looks like more news is coming out Friday, so maybe we'll have more to say later. But um, if you don't already follow Civil, it's C-I-V-L Shy on Instagram, and then just look up C-I-V-L Chicago on Google. And it is just a whole slew of venues. If you ever are like, I want to donate and help venues, but there's too many of them, you can donate to them and it kind of gets dispersed amongst all of them, which is kind of cool. And they also sell t-shirts, um, partnered up with, like, one vinyl pressing place to, like, do, like, a compilation um, with, I think, an organization called Situation Chicago. Anyway, that's the organization to follow if you guys want to support venues as a whole um, in Chicago. So And you should. You cool. should want to support venues because they've done a lot for you over the years. They have. They have. Um, I would hate to see any of them go. Like, literally all the Chicago venues. I have my favorites and I have my least favorites, but I would hate to see like any of them just like i'm just like no i have so many like little weird memories tied to all of them i just don't want to see them yeah i still have never been to where did you used to live by empty bottle yes i still live by there yeah Yeah. oh nice um i've never been there ever that's a it's a good venue it's like i feel like when i would go there when i was younger i would be like this is a venue for like the older crowd like for real adults (laughs) not like me who like had who definitely <laughs> looks like I had a fake ID even though I didn't. Um, and now now that I am a real adult and I go there, I'm like, yeah, this is a place for real adults. Yeah, it is for me. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're a cool place, and they I think just opened up like a pizza thing. Yeah, by, I think it's called like friendly pizza. Yeah, or yeah, something. yeah. <laughs> it, which is good. I've only had it once, but um, nice. this this I guess will only apply to you if you live in the Chicago area, but. <laughs> You should get some other pizza. It's pretty good. Um, why don't we play maybe another track or two, okay. and then and then kind of bring this puppy home. All right, let's do it. What what track are you feeling? Well, uh, another Chicago band that we know and love, the Lawrence Arms, had a new album come out <gasps> recently. Yes, Pu- I haven't even listened to it actually. Are you kidding me? I'm not a bad Chicago and a bad fan. You're a terrible fan. <laughs> Well, I've listened to it a lot. Uh, The album is called Skeleton Coast, and I think it is... We reviewed Metropole on this show many years ago when that album came out, and I think this album is better than Metropole, even though I liked that album. I think it's some of their Mm -hmm. finest writing in a long time. 
Um, I think they are kind of at their best when you can't tell the Chris and Brendan songs apart as clearly. I think that's why (laughs) Oh Calcutta is such a phenomenal record because it just sounds like such a just melded together piece of wrought iron. Mm -hmm. Um, Good point. That's a really good point. And I think think this album, uh, you, you can still tell moments when, okay, this is a Chris song or this is a Brendan song, but... Um, I, I think they, they are striking a very good balance here. So here's Belly of the Whale off of Skeleton Coast by Lawrence Arms. Well, I was just one kid standing on another kid's shoulders in the trash because you'd be in trouble, buddy. If I wasn't in a tomb rolling down the quiet city rivers in the summer, I'd be under something tubby to the coast where the bones pick up like ship with a blade out of sea with the bleach bone kids. They asked who I was, and so I ran and hid. They asked who I was, so I ran and I hid. In the belly of the whale with a candle and a pen. The belly of the You're right, like right off the bat. He's just, he's such a great writer. And he's been doing a podcast lately with Tim Crisp where he kind of sits down and like goes really deep into every album that he's done. Like uh, Wandering Birds, Lawrence Arms, Slapshot. And I haven't listened to a ton of it. My friend Luke hipped me to it and I think he's listened to a lot of it, but it's really good. And it gave me, um, like greatest story ever told is an album that I probably had listened to once or twice before, but like now that is firmly one of my favorite Lawrence Arms albums because like it's just it really hooked me into it. That was my first one as a youth when I was fourteen. That was my, like one of my first albums, like Dude. like punk rock albums, like oh. And I got into it just because like the old. I think it came out probably like in two thousand four. Something like that, yeah. It's like it just recently came out. It's so, like all the cool older kids were like listening to it, which is why I listened to it. But then. They're on Warp Tour that year in 04, so, like, they're, um, go on, I can't remember the name of the song, but they're featured on, like, the Warp Tour compilation, so, like, I had listened to, like, one song before, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. But anyway, yeah, that album is fucking solid, like. It is great front to back, like, it, it's definitely one of my favorites. I would say O Calcutta, 
and then Greatest Story are, are my two favorites of theirs. And I think Skeleton Coast is right up there as well. Nice. Okay. I'm really going to have to dive into it. I don't know how I've gone this long without listening to it after not not being naive to it or oblivious to it. Like, it's, I, I've known about it, but like I just have not listened to it. I don't know why. Well, you, you better do it because, <laughs> you know, the Chicago punks are going to come after you. I know. You. <laughs> I can hear them knocking right now. Right. Um... Fucking awesome! I'm glad that you brought that up tonight. That's that's awesome. Well, happy to do. You're doing a lot of uh, Chicago bands tonight with the plugs. You know, you gotta you gotta represent. So, any anything else that you want to play tonight? Anything else you want to introduce the listening audience to? I told you when we were planning that I was going to maybe talk about the newest Touche Moore record, but I yes, you did. Didn't really listen to it to be honest with you. Like it doesn't grab me like the other ones have. Damn. Um, And I'm sure it's a good record. Maybe I just wasn't in the headspace for it. But I do thoroughly enjoy the single off of it that they did the music video for, which is called... Is it called Memories? It's Reminders. It's, it's on the same line. Reminders. Um, reminders. And if you guys haven't seen the music video yet, it has a ton of musicians in it. And the music video is so cute. It begins with, like, we ask, like, our closest friends, like, what reminds them of, like... I think it's, like, what reminds you of love or home. It was, like, a little words on the screen. I think it says home. And it says that we were pleasantly surprised that like everyone had the same had to say the same thing. And the entire video, have you did you watch it or did you? No, I didn't. Oh, dude, it is magical. The entire music video is like just like little clips, like self submitted clips that like that, that like people sent in, and it's them like holding their dogs with like either their spouse or themselves, and it's like them holding Aww. their pets and just like smiling and waving at the camera. But like Dallas Green's in it, like I think. It's, Keith Buckley's in it and Andy Williams are in it. Like, it's just like, I, I can't even name everybody in it. There's so many people in it. I think, like, Tim McAlrath is also in it. Um, I don't know the guy's name, but the guy from Gate Creepers in it. And just like, just like little little clips of so many musicians. Like, you look at them, you're like, hey, I know that guy, I know that guy. And then I think just some of like, <laughs> their friends are in it too. And like, it's just everyone with like, they're like animal, like looking at the screen. And it was just so, it's so heartwarming. And the song's really cute too. So I don't know. I guess. If I were to pick like a closing song and like end on a on a, a nice note, a wholesome note, that might be the I one. I think that's wise. Um, All right, I think let's do let's it. Let's do it. So yeah, this is reminders by uh, Touche Moore.
Wow. That that gives you a good feeling. I forgot to say our boy Hunter V is right at the end. <laughs> that was the most important one for, for boxcar relevancy, really. <laughs> There's a lot of people in it. It's it's nuts. Isn't it yeah, nice? there's like the the first comment on here is like all the people oh. that are in it and man oh man, that's a lot of people. Yeah, they got a lot of friends. Well, I think that I think that was a great choice to bring us home because the, I'm gonna go to bed smiling thinking about those good doggos. <laughs> so many good doggos and gatos. Yeah, <laughs> and gatos. And gatos. Man, yeah, I uh, I like to shame more a lot, and I think that. They're also like a part of that. Like, oh yeah, I mentioned that earlier. They're kind of like when I listen to Joyce Manor, then I go listen to them, and like I don't know, it's all just this like wholesome Thanksgiving punk. That, like I listen to every so often. I think that is a great <laughs> subgenre, and I'm glad you coined it. I actually never got into, as I would have called it, as a, a dumb teenager, touch a more. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <laughs> That, I think this is the first song I've actually listened to oh, start to finish with them, and I really like it. Man, may I recommend an album since uh, you're sending me home with Lawrence Arms? Please, please do. Um, oh, I'm actually a little torn apart, but I guess we have nothing but time to listen to music now. But um, I like, there's two albums, Parting the Sea Between Brightness and Me is very good, as well as Stage 4 is very good. Um, All right. Both are very awesome. So if you like that song... Um, I gotta go back and listen to their new album, but uh, I, I like those two older albums a lot, so. I'm gonna add them to my Stuff to Check Out playlist. Hell yeah. Man, Steve, it's good to be back. It's great to be back. I, I think this is going very well. I agree. I hope I remember to press record. <laughs> Did we I ever we'll do find that out. in the past? We had to have. Oh, no. Yeah, I remember the episode. It was uh, the Frank Turner one. We recorded really? like 20 minutes of not recording. Oh, that's not too bad. And then we had to start over. That's not bad. Not, yeah, we never did a whole episode, as far as I know. Like, drove all the way to your apartment, drove back to the burp. Right. <laughs> I just laugh, though. Yeah. I'd be like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Then it was just a normal discussion for two, two friends. And what could be better <laughs> than that? Nothing. Thanks for whoever's listening to this. Um... I know this is a little this is a little rusty, but uh, it was as authentic as possible. If, if you exactly. could tell, that's, um, that's how we do it around here. We, we're definitely planning on doing this more. Um, also, with make, hopefully expanding it to like other forms of media. Um, maybe like if you have like a good book that's based on music to check out, you know, let us know. Um, we had an email. Like, we have an Instagram, so I mean, there's ways to reach out to us. Um, I think it's just Boxcar Podcast is our Instagram. But yeah, listeners, any media, um, you know, definitely mix it up. Um, we'll stay on top of new releases here and making up yep. for old releases. Um, I don't think we have an album in mind yet to discuss necessarily at the moment. We'll see what strikes we'll us. We'll see what strikes us. Hopefully we'll be back sooner than, than last time. And uh, I, think we, I think we can fall comfortably back into our average of <laughs> doing like maybe one every couple of weeks and then we forget for like six months and then we do another one. You know what's hilarious is that the last one that we did, the last one ever, was called Boxcar Returns I know. Catch-Up Episode. I saw that. Like, how sad is that? A little sad. It's like, we're back, people, and we're gone. And we're gone. But now we are right. back. Boxcar Returns yep. returns today, tonight. <laughs> God. Well, uh, Steve, thank you for thank you for talking about this stuff with me tonight. Likewise, friend. And I hope we get to do it again soon. Hell yeah. Good night. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.